If you're having problems with your one, two, or three-year-old sleeping through the night, or they're waking up at the crack of dawn, you're going to want to listen to this whole episode because I have my favorite sleep expert here, Becca Campbell of Little Z Sleep, mom of two, former elementary school teacher turned sleep consultant who has helped thousands of families through coaching and online courses, including my family, to get the peaceful, restful sleep that we all deserve. And I'm Casey Barnes, host of Feeding Toddlers Made Easy. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist from MamaKnowsNutrition.com. On Feeding Toddlers Made Easy, I answer your questions about feeding your toddler, help solve picky eating struggles, and give you tricks to get your little ones to eat healthier. Becca, thank you for coming to talk to us today. Yay! I'm so excited. (laughs) Me too. Me too. So we're going to jump right into it. And today we're talking toddler sleep. I know you cover babies, toddlers, kids, you cover it all. But today we're going to talk about what little ones who probably don't need to be eating at night anymore and the correlation between the milk and the sleeping and all of that. So let's first talk about at what age can a child sleep through the night without eating? So I feel like this is a big like, asterisk conversation. Like there's going to be a lot of like, (laughs) but wait, if this, but wait, if that, right. So um, I'll say simply put in my teachings and in my online courses from six months on, we do not have nighttime feeds, but asterisk (laughs) (laughs) medical, like talk to your medical professional, like talk to your child's pediatrician, what's going on. And at the same time, like this morning, I had my team meeting and my executive assistant has a eight week old who's sleeping 12 hours through the night. What? Just because he's doing it. Like he's, she's, he's, <laughs> he's fine. He's a healthy weight. She's been doing all of our newborn principles and it's been fine. So, you know, times like that, like that's okay. So when I say six months, it doesn't mean like if you have an under six month old, like, oh, it's wrong. If they're not waking up, they do that, you know, do your thing. But in our courses, six months and up, no nighttime feeds. Okay. So when we're At that toddler stage, and we're cutting down on those feeds, we're not doing nighttime feeds, maybe you're you're saying they don't need to, when does the bedtime bottle stop being a thing, or what do we need to know about the bedtime bottle? Yes, so I feel like this is not talked often enough about. And I certainly wasn't like educated on it when I got all of my like, you know, base sleep training knowledge. And you can only really find information from like kidshealth.org saying, oh, by one year, let's stop doing bottles and like get them off of bottles developmentally and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But no one's talking about like the impact that it can have on the nighttime sleep, which again, I'll preface like our whole chat here by saying that it's really difficult to find research on kids sleep because it's kind of hard to do research on kids sleep, but also it's a relatively new topic. People have only been studying sleep for like 50 years. So as far as kids go, you're not going to find a study that's like, oh, well this bedtime bottle given over here and this bedtime, like that's not a thing. But what I have seen in my experience is knowing that if a bedtime bottle lingers after 13 months old, you're going to have some troubles with this. So I give our families some leeway, like between 12 and 13 months, we need to be like, making a game plan to get off of the bottles and, you know, completely onto sippy cups. But that doesn't mean we now invite a sippy cup into the bedtime routine Mm -hmm. between 12 and 13 months. That bedtime bottle is now at dinner and they're having a sippy cup of milk or water with dinner, not a bedtime feed. Okay. So if I have a mom listening, who's like, well, 
shoot, my kid is older than 12 months and they use a bottle to still fall asleep. What are we telling that mom? So we're telling that mom, first of all, that let's look at the, what you just said, they're, they're having that bottle to fall asleep. So therefore they're not consciously thinking about the food that they're putting into their bodies. And I would tell that mom, and I would ask that mom, like, Hey, have you ever watched a show or scrolled your phone while you ate a snack? And then all of a sudden you look down, you're like, shoot, where did my food go? Like, did I eat that? I don't even remember. Like you're like mindlessly doing it because your mind is engaged in another activity, but your like body is like shoving food in your face. And so that's the same thing with the kid. It, it, this goes for newborns, babies, toddlers, preschoolers. You've got to be engaged mentally while you're actually physically eating. And so for a bottle that's happening at bedtime or any time during the day, that's then, okay, here is your mechanism for sleep. Here's a bottle for sleep. That's not nourishment. I mean, it is, but it's not nourishment that that child understands. So while you have been you know, offering these ounces of milk, formula, breast milk, whatever, as what you perceive as nourishment, your child isn't registering that. They're registering it as, oh, this is, this is my ticket to sleep. Okay, I just have this and then I go to sleep. So that's like habit number one that we break. So once we say like, okay, now you're going to be awake for your food. Step two is if you've been doing that bedtime feed, you drastically move it to that dinner time. Or if you're a nursing mom, just nurse before the bedtime routine. And that's, you know, a different topic, but for that bedtime bottle, I mean, I vividly remember like the, the one day, it, I mean, obviously it's cold Turkey. It's one day, one day it was at bedtime. The next day it's not. <laughs> and I remember like I gave Hattie her bottle. I was done with bottles. I don't know about you with Amelia, but I was like, you're 11 and a half months old. We're going to start the process now, right? Like, <laughs> Amelia never it. took a bottle. So I would have loved to have that process, but she never oh my took gosh. one. Yeah. I could not wait to be done with those Dr. Brown bottles. Cause there's so many pieces. Mm -hmm. So like 11 and a half, almost 12 months old. I started to like, you know, make sure she was getting onto a sippy cup. And I also feel like this, that's an aside. I should have done it before, but no one was talking about that like five years ago. So anyways, <laughs> I know now, but I remember like just one day there was no more bedtime bottle. Like it just wasn't there. She had it during dinner, but she wasn't thinking she's one. And so she just kind of looked at me after the bath and she was like, Baba. And I was like, Nope, <laughs> we're going to read a book now. You know, like I like distracted her. And yeah, there was like a moment of like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. You know, I just had this for like a whole year of my life. Now you're telling me no. That's the good thing about toddlers. They're so easily distractible that it's like, oh, you want to read a book? Oh, you want to play? Which is great to have in bedtime instead of a bedtime routine feed. So if you've been having a feed during that bedtime, it's now during dinner that that milk goes to dinner. There's no milk during bedtime. And instead of that, then maybe play for a few minutes with your toddler or read some extra books, something fun together. Okay. So tell me what are the downsides if we do continue this prolonged bedtime bottle? What are the downsides of that? Yeah. So a couple things going on and I'll like ping back and forth with you on like the nutrition side. Of yes. This. So I'll say first around 12 to 13 months old kids get separation anxiety. And most parents who are have listening with a 12 to 13 month old are like, Oh yes, I know that. <laughs> and they're super clingy. They know what you're saying, but they don't really know how, like they can't talk back to you yet. And so they're, they're frustrated. So they're a little bit more clingy because of that. And so I've often seen like then that, that nursing or the bedtime bottle 
then kind of becomes that crux of like, oh, great. I'll just kind of get more cozy and like drowsy on you while we're having this intimate moment of feeding my bottle. Right. And then that invites wakings throughout the night because the child's becoming drowsy and falling asleep on a feed, which then they think they need that throughout the night. But the bigger issue here is that you don't need to be drinking ounces and ounces upon ounces of milk before you get into the bed, because that's not going to be helpful nutritionally. So, and please like, tell me that this is like not quite right. But what I've learned from talking to you (laughs) is that especially as they maybe switch over to cow's milk is the sugars and the carbohydrates are kind of causing like a sugar crash and wakings throughout the night. And so basically what we're seeing is like a kid who's drinking eight ounces of milk before bed. That's not helping them fall asleep and stay asleep. It's actually kind of hurting that later. Is that far off base? No, that's not. And another thing too, is like the, the dental hygiene too. We want to make sure that that becomes a thing. So there's so many things and you mentioned them waking up at night. So what I hear sometimes from parents is saying, I think they're hungry at night because, and I'm like, trust me, they're not. You give them those opportunities during the day. They get all that they need during the day. It's maybe once in a while they are hungry at night, but they shouldn't be hungry every single night. So what can you tell us about those nighttime wakings and them seeming hungry? So if a family thinks like, oh no, they've got to have this because they're hungry. Then my first question is, are they wide awake and alert on every single one of their feeds throughout the entire 24 hours? Because if they're most of the time, they're like, oh no, they're definitely getting heavy eyed. And a lot of times you look at drowsiness and then completely asleep as two different things, because there is a myth out there that says they should be drowsy, but awake, which doesn't exist. That's not like erase that from your minds. That's not a real thing. Okay, guys. Like that is no, I need to do a reel on that. Like, how to do it. I vividly remember like trying to put Amelia down and I'm like, I don't know. Is she drowsy? Like she's not asleep, but how do I know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh gosh, it's like, yes. that's not a thing. And so like, if you look at this, they're, they're not supposed to be drowsy, period. Heavy eye, drowsy. I'll even say like your uh, eyes disengaged. Like you could like wave a hand in front of their face and I'm like, oh, what? Like they're, <laughs> they're tuned out while they're eating. And if that's happening, they're not consciously recognizing their brain and their stomach aren't talking like, hey, I'm filling up right now. I'm getting full. So that's the number one problem when they're offering those nighttime feeds. When you wake up several times a night, you're not fully a wide awake and alert and your baby and your toddler's not either. So That's number one is I guarantee you, if you are offering feeds at night, they're probably not even awake on it. The second thing, you know, is the foundation of what you teach is you've given them plenty of opportunity throughout the day to actually eat. And we are parents and it is hard to say no, but we know that if we have given your opportunity for your toddler to eat throughout the day, you have to say no at night because that's not when the kitchen is open. That's not when our bodies need to be eating. You've got to have a break. Your body has to process, your body has to get ready for the next day and sleep is the foundation of that. So they're not hungry. Yeah, they're not. (laughs) They're also smart. They know, they know if that nighttime option exists. Thank you to today's sponsor, one of my favorite snack brands for kids. It's Scout Organic. Scout Organic has been making organic, plant-based, and simple snacks for over 10 years. Scout strives to deliver the highest quality and most delicious snacks without compromise. Their perfectly sized snacks are crafted from plant-based ingredients so simple you can count them on your fingers. No artificial stuff, no gluten, dairy, or soy either. 
just unbelievable tastiness. My family specifically loves the French toast flavor and apple pie, but we just tried the chocolate hazelnut, which is seasonal, and we loved it. Scout offers a build-your-own-box option where you can pick and choose the exact flavors and quantities that you'd like to try. Use the code Casey at checkout for 20% off your order at scouorganic.com. That's K-A-C-I-E and Scout is with a K. I have it written down in my show notes for you. Your family is going to love these. Yeah, I can relate to the struggles, though, of waking up with your toddler in the night and not knowing what do I do? Like, I'm so tired. I just want to get them to sleep. So in your programs, is this something that you address for toddler sleep, those middle of the night? I'm assuming yes. <laughs> we, you know, what's funny is we don't even talk about it. I mean, we do talk about like milk is gone. So, you know, it's more common that we're looking at for a toddler. It's more common that they're having milk at bedtime, which is then causing the milk in the nighttime. So in our program, yes, I say like, Hey, by the way, if your child is drinking a sippy cup of milk, even if it isn't a sippy cup and you're like, well, it's not a bottle. That's still milk during the bedtime routine. And, and honestly, if you just do that one thing and remove that and do nothing else, you'll probably see a tremendous difference in wow. what happens during the nighttime because you're removing that, that what we'd say prop, right. That helps your child get drowsy or seeming like it's time to get ready for bed. I worked with an 18 month old, like years ago, and he wasn't even having a bottle in his room or a sippy cup in his room. So the parents didn't think to tell me about it. Cause so I was like, Oh, well, it's not in the bedtime. So it doesn't matter. But it was right before they went into the room to do the bedtime routine, Charlie got a sippy cup of milk and they sent me a picture, which was really funny because I thought it would just be cute to be like, oh yeah, isn't he so cute? Like drinking his milk. <laughs> and there is Charlie in this picture lounging on a couch with his sippy cup, like laying down, mm -hmm. like his eyes, like super droopy. And I was like, your kid is getting drowsy. Like stop that. <laughs> so you just need to make sure. And we talk about this in our program, like any food is wide awake and alert. Milk is with a meal. And you have really helped us with that as well. And their families is like milk is a beverage, not a main meal. So it's like, you're having milk with your meal. And you don't even need to have milk eight times a day. Like you sometimes, mm -hmm. do you ever see that parents get stuck in like the baby thinking of like, oh, yes. milk every three hours. Yes, yes, yes. And you're yes. like, no, you're two. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's, they change so fast and it's, it's hard to keep up with all those changes, but I really, I do think that overuse of milk is a huge problem with picky eating too. Like when you were describing him lounging on the couch, I'm like, I've seen so many of those kids attached to those sippy cups and yes, it is comforting, but we can break that cycle for them and we can bring the milk to the meals. And that makes such a huge difference. Absolutely. And we want to make sure that, you know, you talked about how do we make sure they're not hungry during the nighttime. Well, if they're primarily drinking milk, then they're not even getting what they need to be getting. So then they actually may be hungry because they didn't eat food during the day. Yeah. So use all of Casey's tips as well to like <laughs> help you get on track of like, Oh, is my kid actually eating food and not just downing, you know, half right. a gallon of milk per day? Yes. I think I have an episode on grazing. I'm going to have to check. I'll put that in the show notes because yeah, that definitely can cause them to not get as much as they need. Okay. Let's talk about the flip side of things in the morning. What about milk in the morning right when they wake up? Yeah. So I teach about these. I just call them the bookends, like your milk sippy cup, like 
I should have a graphic of like two sippy cups <laughs> as your like bookends for you. And basically if you're offering a bedtime one, that's going to be detrimental for your nighttime as well. But if you offer one first thing in the morning, well, why do you think they're waking up at 4 35 AM? Right? Like milk is their favorite thing in the whole wide world. And if they know they can get it instantaneously, then all is fair. And so I, I have like audibly heard family members, like nieces and nephews, like screaming in the morning, like milk, milk. (laughs) And you've heard it from your kid. And I've heard it from my clients, but that, you know, that milk asphyxiation is so strong for a toddler. And so I want you to look at what happens in the first 10 to 15 minutes when your child gets up for the day. If in the first 10 to 15 minutes, they get a sippy cup of milk, then that has to immediately end because I guarantee you that's why they're waking up early is because they know as soon as I get up, I get sippy cup of milk, I get my TV and I get to chill. Right. And who wouldn't want to get up for that first thing in the morning, especially a toddler. So as hard as it is that first 10 to 15 minutes, when it is time to get up, you're doing a big start to the day, go in there. Good morning. So good to see you. I love you. Even if you're not feeling it, like just do it, (laughs) open up the curtains, open up the blinds. It was such a good night. Oh, look, the sun is coming up. Oh, let's go feed the dog. Let's go see your sister. Let's go start the coffee maker. Like whatever you want to do. I would also put a little aside when I say, don't give your kid the milk in these first 10 to 15 minutes. I I also don't want you to hold your child for the first 10 to 15 minutes. Like Mm. babies are different. But for a toddler who can walk around and move around and play around, like now don't replace the sippy cup with like, oh, I'll just hold you for like 10, 15 minutes. And we'll just like, you know, lounge around because again, whole nother issue for them to be getting up be like, yes, cuddles first thing in the morning. Cuddles are not bad. Hear me on that. But we can offer that in a well-lit area that is not inviting a concept of let's go back to sleep now. So get them out of their crib, change them or go potty, start the day really big, put them down, let them start playing, you know, playing with their toys, whatever. Then we can offer breakfast with milk. So it's, it's not a separator and it's not like a placeholder, if you will, of like, oh, I don't feel like making breakfast yet. So just go have this milk which is easy. It's so easy to to do that. Yeah. That's so interesting. So you're saying that we probably as parents have that thought of, oh, okay. I can give them that milk in the morning. That's easy. That's fast, but that actually can be making them wake up earlier than we want them to. So it's making our lives harder, not easier. Right. Yeah. Counterintuitive. (laughs) I know. I know. So it's going to be like, a rough couple of mornings when you break this habit, but it must be done. It's going to make it a lot easier for you to do this. We'll put a plug for days with gray. She's got her whole breakfast invitation. So one of my team members did this really well when she transitioned off of like no morning milk, she started doing that breakfast invitations, breakfast playtime kind of thing. And that was enough to be like, Oh, I don't care about milk. I get to go like manipulate things and color and all that. So having an alternative for them to do and kind of it's, really that celebration of like, oh, they're becoming more independent, right? Like they don't instantly need to get up and have this like they did when they were babies. So they're growing, it's different, it's changing, and that's all good. So tell me this, if you have a kid who comes into your room in the morning and wants to get in your bed and you know, you're like, okay, let's go back to sleep. So is that also gonna kind of invite them to wake up earlier and earlier? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, who wouldn't want to get up and be like, mm, now I get to have snuggles right <laughs> now. I love this. Like we have on Saturday mornings. That's when the girls know. I mean, our kids are older now. They know what Saturday is, but they know like, okay, on Saturdays, that's when I can come and like, you know, 
say hi. They, we don't ever go back to sleep just because they're wiggle worms, but that's, you know, like, <laughs> oh, we're here. Good morning. But yes, if the, if the precedence is set for, okay, whenever you get up, I don't care. Like just come in bed with me. It's too early. That will always creep earlier Mm -hmm. and earlier and earlier, because why not there? There's no boundaries and there's no expectations slash rules on this is when you can actually get up to start the day. So then insert hatch clock, toddler clocks, things that let a child know, okay, now it's time to get up. It's not time to come into mommy's room yet, or it's not time to come out of your room yet, but when the clock turns blue, that's when you can. Right. And then after that, you know, I, I'm fine. If you want to have cuddles in the morning, like again, cuddles are great. I'm not an anti-cuddle person, but maybe let's have the lights on and the wind curtains open so that it's clearly daylight here and we can get up to start our day. And it's fine if you have, you know, some chill time, but we want to avoid, if this has been a problem, if the problem has been, your kid is waking up early because they come to your room, then that we have to end that habit as well. Hmm. Okay. So this is all very, very helpful. There's so many things. It's kind of like feeding kids too, where you're like, this should be so intuitive. This should be so easy. Like sleep should just happen. And then you have kids and you realize like, no, it doesn't usually, well, for some people, I'm sure it does, but for a lot of us, it doesn't just happen. Well, that's like, I mean, this is a whole aside, but you know, obviously you and I have talked about this sleep is so polarizing. Like nobody's going to be like, you should not feed your child healthy. Like everybody's going to agree that that's a good thing. But like in my world, thankfully I have an incredible audience and community. I don't get a lot of silly stuff being said, but I do hear like, oh, well, I mean, kids just know how to do this. I'm like, no, they don't. No, they don't. If kids just knew how to fall asleep and sleep well, I wouldn't have a job. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) this wouldn't be a thing. I wouldn't have helped thousands of families if kids just knew this. And as parents, we're not just supposed to know this either. Like, don't feel guilty if you just don't all of a sudden have this like, aha, like (laughs) I should have thought about that. You know, like, no, there's a reason that we like have help. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. Last thing that I want to talk about is what do we want to do or not do to have a good bedtime routine in place for our toddlers? Okay. So you do want to have consistent steps that lead to getting into bed and going to sleep independently. And these steps can include things like having a bath or a shower, getting your PJs on, brushing your teeth, reading some books, playing together, doing a puzzle, like something that is consistent every single night. You're not changing it up. It's not like they don't know what to expect every night. It's the same steps over and over again that then end with them getting into their bed and being able to fall asleep independently within 10 to 15 minutes for any toddler and child. That's about how long it should take. Even for adults, it should be about like 15 to 20 minutes for us to be able to fall asleep. And so for a kid, about 10 to 15 minutes, falling asleep, blissful sleep. I would say don't obviously include the milk in that bedtime routine. If your child is 13 months and above at those ages, they don't need that milk anymore. Put that during the dinner time. And we are not inviting any kind of snackage or beverage besides a quick sip of water in the bedtime routine. You posted about this the other day and I shared it. And like a ton of people messaged me, a ton of people messaged me and they're like, (laughs) but they did really, they did. Um, And they were like, oh, this was so like, it was a good piggyback. Cause you were saying about bedtime snacks. It was uh, your post about like offering snack before bedtime. If it's been like an hour and a half to two hours between dinner and bedtime. So if that's the case, do offer a bedtime snack, but do it before you actually start the bedtime routine. Yes. Yes. That is very helpful to say. Yeah. 
I think uh, so many parents have that fear about they're not going to be full if they didn't eat well at dinner. So I'm like, you can put the bedtime snack in the routine, especially if dinner's at five and bedtime's at seven or 7.30. I'm fine with that. But I guess I do need to specify that we need to have it separate from the bedtime situation. (laughs) Yeah, because then like, how fun is it to have peanut butter crackers in your room, right? Like, Ooh, so fun. So they're going to want to do that again the next day. Mm. So it's like, go back to the table, go back to sit down where you had your meal and have that there. I'm probably a little mean. Cause I say also like, you know what, they, if they didn't eat their dinner and they seem to like it, they just weren't hungry. Offer that again. <laughs> so like, make it a I'm fine with that too. I always say make bedtime snack boring. It should not mm-hmm. be anything fun and you can re-offer dinner. That's totally fine. We're lucky. I'm at the age where if my kids didn't eat at dinner, they know there's nothing later, but especially when you have like a one-year-old, that's a little bit harder to implement. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely helpful information. And especially milk is always the like looming in the corner. Like I've seen so often that like parents don't understand what it could be. Like, I don't know how my kid wakes up. Why do they wake up so early? Mm -hmm. Was there milk? Oh, well, yeah. Well, that's exactly why. So it's like the one quick solution. There's not a lot in sleep. That's like, oh, if you do this one thing, it's like a magic wand. It'll fix all everything. But this really is one of those things that just works and it works really quickly. That's amazing. Now I have a question for you. One last thing, because when you said that they should be falling asleep within 10 to 15 minutes, except for Amelia, not Amelia. (laughs) (laughs) You knew where I was going. (laughs) Amelia's our special little butterfly. Okay. (laughs) She she will, she turns on her lights. She'll have like elaborate setups in her room with all of her stuffed animals. And like, she finds hair clips, even like anything that's there. She's creating some sort of world with it. (laughs) Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But she's the exception, not the rule. (laughs) Well, but it is interesting. So this is like a whole world that I'm starting to like learn more about and uncover is that like, there are certain kids because what, what you and I do, is not, it's not, that's not magic. Like there are some kids it just doesn't work for like you, something else needs to, you know, something else is probably happening. And I had a client who was probably one of my top three, most difficult, like this girl and Amelia would have been like best buds. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid's mom was like, well, I'm also a terrible sleeper. So I kind of like, I just kind of feel like it's my fault or it's like my, like hereditary thing that like, we're just not sleepers. And I was like, no, I refuse to believe that. (laughs) Like, it's just not, it's not thing, which, because we all need sleep. So anyways, she actually messaged me last week and she, so she's like 38, 39. She and her daughter were both diagnosed with tongue tie, which is a reason for sleep apnea. This is becoming like more widespread. So just because like this little girl had no problems nursing, eating, none of that, but tongue ties are becoming increasingly linked to sleep apnea because they're not able to get the right kind of oxygen, right? You get enough oxygen. So we already know that like mouth breathing and snoring, those like, you need to get that checked out ASAP. That's bad. We need to get that fixed so you can sleep better. But tongue ties are also one of the things that are, is being linked. So I'd be curious if, you know, if there was anything there with Amelia, because she kind of falls in that category of like interesting <laughs> sleep habits. Huh, Amelia? While you're talking, I'm like testing my tongue flexibility. <laughs> I know Do because I, I actually want to get Ellie tested. Uh, Ellie looked at because she has, I can tell she has a really strong tongue tie. We had a horrible time breastfeeding, which maybe is one indicator, but she sleeps fine. 
but I would still be interested to know. Yeah. Amelia she, actually had to get hers lasered. She did have oh, a tongue tie. Yeah. So it's a whole, it's a whole new world out there. Like it's, it's a new type of not discovery. It's a new type of like thing being talked about in the world of sleep tongue ties. And I oh gosh, I have so many other things to say about that, but I'm not going to get on rabbit trails right now. <laughs> okay. Tell people where they can find help for sleep if they need it. Yes. Okay. So everything is little Z sleep. So little Instagram, YouTube podcast. That's where you'll find us. Yes. Awesome. Becca, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. This is so helpful. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.